0: What's up, New York? You're listening to the Empire State Conservative Network Podcast. Hey guys, this next segment is brought to you by the Blackhawk Group. Blackhawk Group offers an unparalleled customer support service combined with top-level classroom installations and equipment servicing. They have years' worth of experience in this field, experience that is unmatched by competitors anywhere. Learn more about Blackhawk Group at www.blackhawkgroupllc.net.
1: Hey everybody, welcome to our latest episode of the Empire State and Server Network podcast. This is Pete, and on today's show we're going to be discussing how CNN poll finds that most New Yorkers blame Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, our favorite congressman, for the Amazon HQ 2 fallout. how Bill de Blasio, a favorite New York City mayor's presidential aspirations are evident in his speech turnout, or lack thereof, and lastly, how the mainstream media covered up dirt on presidential candidate Beto O'Rourke. When it was politically convenient for them and now that he doesn't fit their narrative anymore and they're no longer using him to try and take over more um, offices in the House and Senate. They are throwing him under the bus in every way they possibly can. Before we get into any of that, first of all, if you're new to the show, welcome. The Empire State Conservative Network podcast is for New York-based conservatives who are sick and tired of being neglected by their local and state officials. You're also sick and tired of be- being ostracized by friends, family, and co-workers for thinking differently than they do about politics, about life in general. Let's face it, we've grown up, and there's been this narrative, especially if you were raised here in New York. There are some, cons- there are many conservative areas in New York. Actually, in fact, the vast majority of them voted against Andrew Cuomo, which you. Due to population, and due to the fact that we now actually have a Democratic, which is not how it's supposed to be, uh, vote for the governorship, Andrew Cuomo still reigns supreme in his third term. But that said, a lot of them, myself included, and I talked about this in a speech I did at the Weissman Republican Club last week, I was raised in a liberal bubble. I grew up on Long Island in a pretty well-to-do neighborhood, and my parents watched the Today Show, NBC, CNN, those are my news sources growing up. And teachers had a big spin. I did notice that I did alter, just through critical thinking, on different issues like abortion, like immigration. But I never really paid much mind to it until a few years ago when Trump faced off against Hillary. And we're on a mission here at Empire State Conservative Network. We are trying to get the conservative vote out. We're trying to rile up the base so that in 2020 and beyond... We can vote these schmucks out. We had Vicky Palladino, Paladino, excuse me, the president of the Whitesome Republican Club on um, this past Friday, and she talked about it at the end of the show what you can do. So check out the last episode if you haven't already, how you can get involved in politics so that we're going to be in good shape. Now then, let's get into the meat and potatoes of today. So Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, in an article from the New York Post, titled, Ocasio-Cortez is the, quote, villain in Amazon HQ2 pullout poll. The elected official getting most of the blame for Amazon's decision not to open a new headquarters in Queens is Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, our favorite congresswoman, according to a poll released Monday. The Siena College poll asked New York state voters who was the, quote, hero, the, quote, villain, or the quote, role player, in the Amazon debacle, and Ocasio-Cortez led the pack, of course. 38% identified the freshman congresswoman as the biggest villain, while only 12% called her a hero. By comparison, 34% called local activists the chief villain, 29% Mayor Bill de Blasio, 28% Governor Andrew Cuomo, 26% Amazon itself, 21% the state senate, and lastly, 17% the labor unions. Who do New Yorkers blame? Well, there's certainly blame enough to go around. However, voters say the biggest villain was Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, said pollster Steven Greenberg. Amazon itself was seen as the biggest villain among Democrats, but Republicans and independents, people who have right mind, had Ocasio-Cortez as far and away the largest villain, followed by the local Queens activist. This is true. Voters overwhelmingly viewed Amazon's decision to back out of its deal as a blow to the state. 67% said the withdrawal was, quote, bad for New York, while only 21% said it was, quote, good, a senior college poll found. And by a 2-to-1 margin, voters said they supported the agreement that would have allowed Amazon to receive $3 billion in government incentives in exchange for creating 25,000 jobs, 61% in favor and 30% opposed. Clearly, jobs outweigh the cost of government incentives in the minds of most voters, Greenberg said. Yes, Greenberg. Yes, they do. Following the Amazon fiasco, more voters believe New York State government, where Democrats now control the governorship, Senate, and Assembly, is more hostile to business. Yes, it is. As a business owner who owns not one, but two businesses, I can attest to that firsthand. A staggering 67% of voters agreed with the statements that the current politics of state government is making it harder for businesses in New York to be successful, while only 26% disagreed. Again, If you're a business owner, like myself, like Justin, the godfather and curator of fine Italian deli meats, you will find that that is true. Even 53% of Democrats agreed with the statement. Moreover, 51% of voters now believe New York is moving too far to the political left, while 36% disagreed. On other issues, congestion pricing, for example. Let's get down to the nitty-gritty, huh? Who's excited about this? Voters are split on whether Albany should impose a congestion pricing told to enter Midtown. I covered this last week. With 43% in favor, wow, and 42% opposed. More downstate voters from city and suburbs were opposed, while more upstaters backed the measure. Well, yeah, I can kind of see that. At the end of the day, though, it's bad for business, period. Property tax cap. 59% 59% of voters support making the 2% annual cap permanent, while 25% were opposed. Doi, again, you don't want your property taxes to go up exponentially every year. The cap, while construed as a good idea, is still bad because it enables them to continually raise your property taxes 2%. Compound that annually over a 10 to 20 year period. Ha, you're stuck with the bill driver's licenses for illegal immigrants. 61% of voters oppose allowing undocumented immigrants to obtain a license compared to 34% who support the measure. So, overwhelmingly, with the DREAM Act, with giving illegals the ability to live and work within our communities with little to no ramification from ICE or from anybody else. We talked about about a month or so back. Laura Curran, the Nassau County Executive on the county over from where I am here on Long Island, she moved ICE out of a penitentiary there. And while I only moved them up the road a quarter mile, still, if they're in there while they're being processed, if they committed a felony or a violent crime, get them the hell out. Why should they be here if they're illegal and they're committing crimes? But in any case... 61% 61% of voters oppose allowing undocumented immigrants to obtain a license because they are not citizens. They are breaking the law. It doesn't matter if overall they're a good person or not. They are entering this country under false pretenses, and the fact that we essentially live in a sanctuary state is very troubling. Troubling, excuse me. Moving on to marijuana. 53% of voters support legalizing the recreational use of weed, while 43% or opposed i'm in favor bail 53% of voters back the elimination of monetary bail for defendants facing misdemeanor or nonviolent crimes compared to 39% who don't hmm they back the elimination of monetary bail for defendants facing misdemeanor or nonviolent crimes it depends on how egregious it is i mean you're not going to be hailed held excuse me in prison unless you endangered somebody or unless you broke a wide variety of law so Uh, I think that's kind of dumb, but anyway, vaccinations, 79% support requiring the vaccinations of students for measles and other diseases as a condition of attending school, while 18% opposed the mandate. I mean, that's overwhelmingly um, the case, and you see cases back and forth about this. This is more of a, when you get down to should the government mandate that you do X, especially that you force your child to do X, or else they can't go to a school or anything else. I, again, I think that should be up to the municipality or even the, the school that this child is attending more so than that should be up to the state. They say that it endangers people. There's evidence on the other side to suggest otherwise. It's a very interesting debate, and I don't know enough about it, in all honesty, to really have an educated argument about it. But I think that's interesting. I, I don't want to give the government any more power than it needs to have. And unfortunately, over the last hundred years... It's really 100 plus years, excuse me, since 1913 Woodrow Wilson. It's really, really, really expanded its power and its reach into our pockets and into our lives. So let's get back to AOC, though. I just wanted to point that out because that was included in the Siena poll. So she's looked at as the bad guy. And she was. She was overwhelmingly against it. And she didn't even understand what a tax incentive was. She didn't understand that they would get $3 billion in tax incentives in exchange for creating 25,000 jobs, which, regardless of whether people in her district or not are being hired, which, by the way, for any company, if you have a local person who is qualified and meets the criteria to work one of the jobs you're hiring for, then of course you're going to probably take them over someone who's going to move cross-country and have to get their lives set up, because... It's a lot less. Uh, it's a lot less upkeep. They come in, they can do their job right away. That's it. They're familiar with the area. They can get to work on time. There's not that whole acclimation process. That said, a lot of these jobs that were going to be at HQ2 uh, in Long Island City were more corporate and tech-oriented jobs. So you have to be high skill. And unfortunately, ocasio Cortez, I don't think there are too many of those in her district. And that's no offense to people in her district. If you are one of those people, I'm not saying that, but she wants to make sure that the people in her district are getting to work in all this, which makes no sense because she's a socialist and she wants them to continue to receive government handouts. But that said, she was completely against the deal, and she helped rile up the Queen's activists who gave Amazon crap and meeting after meeting after meeting when they were trying to meet with the community to plead their case that, yes, overall, this is going to be a net positive because with those 25,000 jobs, that's 25,000 working people who are either going to be working and or living in that area. That's going to invest in local businesses, whether they're eating out at restaurants, using a laundromat, um, getting getting tailoring done, going to the movies, going out to bars after work, you know, especially on Friday for happy hour. Like, there's so many things... That could have benefited the state. and in, in exchange for the $3 billion off, they get $27 billion in return. Like, it's so stupid. She doesn't even understand that. And so, yeah, she was villain number one. Because she was pushing these activists to give Amazon flag. And look, they didn't have to come here. We did not give them the best deal, by the way. But they thought, you know what? New York can still be a mecca, especially in the city. I don't understand how with de Blasio in office. But getting back to that poll, too. She, uh right behind her were the activists, doy, Then Governor Cuomo, or Governor Cuomo was right after Bill de Blasio. So Bill de Blasio was 29%. And yeah, he was for it to an extent, but both he and Cuomo dropped the ball and that they did not try to convince the electorate and the people living in that area and the activists giving Amazon all this crap that this is going to be a net positive, that you got to give some to get some, and unfortunately, they both dropped the ball on that. They started calling out Amazon. And then after the fact, when maybe there was a potentiality of bringing them back, they decided to continue to just crap on Amazon. And Amazon said, you know what? Screw you guys. We're either going to find a new location or we're just going to go down to Virginia, where we've received little to no flack in that respect. So just goes to show you how our favorite congresswoman she continues to suck the life out of whatever good she thinks she can do for our communities. Now, let's get to Bill de Blasio. So I mentioned last week, an Iowa poll showed, again, he went up to New Hampshire. We're going to talk about one of his New Hampshire visits in a second. But there's zero interest in him being a presidential candidate. Kirsten Gillibrand, one of the biggest flip-floppers in the history of politics in just 10 years. She has taken every issue known to man on both sides. Remember, when she came into office, she was rated A by the NRA. Now, she is completely for gun control and the confiscation of our weapons, the red flag laws, the Safe Act two, and all these things that have happened here in the state, and she wants to roll them out at the federal level as well. At least that's what she says. I don't believe a word that comes out of her mouth. I think she entered office under good pretenses, but like Steve Day said on that episode, and you could go back and see or listen to, we don't have actual video of that um episode. But Evan and I talked to Steve Dace, who's a host on Blaze TV, Glenn Beck's um, conglomerate. And All in all, he said that when people enter politics, and he mentioned Cory Booker when he talking about it, but same with Kirsten Gilbert. You enter politics and you want to do good. A lot of people do. They want to do good, but they realize that if they actually are going to try and cross the aisle and meet in the middle, they're not going to get anywhere. The only way to get somewhere in politics, especially on the left, is to move further to the left. Look at Elizabeth Warren and all these Democratic presidential candidates. We're going to get to Beto O'Rourke in a second. We're really far to the left. De Blasio, yes very far to the left, and if you look at it very much so on the surface, you'll see, oh my god, city students are graduating 76% higher rate, but the standards for graduation and from high school are lowered. So if they're lowered, and their preparedness for college or for entering the workforce is lower than it was before, he's really not doing good. He's going to instill meatless Mondays, which goes to show how much soy he eats, but Outside of that, too, he is very much about total mayoral control. I'm using air quotes if you're listening. And he's said that about so many things. He said that about education. He wants to get rid of private property in the city. He wants the mayoral office and the city government to decide how different properties are utilized and allocated, who owns them. He is completely corrupt. He is a co-mayor with his wife, Shirlane McCrae. Wouldn't be surprised, since he's going to term out, When he's done with this term that his wife runs and technically she can. And it's just a disaster. But anyway, he has his aspirations to run for president. He is really far to the left. He has called himself a communist. He is a socialist. He's somewhere in the middle. So he wants total governmental control. He wants to run your lives. And... Despite that, his wife has lost $800 million to a failed mental health initiative. No one knows where the money went. I'll tell you where it went. It went in their pockets. That's where it went. But getting back, so de Blasio has been trying to do some speaking towards to try and gauge interest in this. He won't take no for an answer. The pollsters in Iowa and the campaign consultants in Iowa clearly told him, look, dude, you may be mayor of New York. You may have been reelected. And guess what? People don't like you. People in your own state don't like you. So if they don't like you, and people aren't getting out to vote for you, you may have won, but people aren't getting out to vote for you. If you look at the number of people in New York City compared to the number of people who voted. Come on, man. So anyway, you've spoke to a crowd of only 20 people in New Hampshire. So I'm going to read this from a New York Post article by Nolan Hicks. Mayor Bill de Blasio's ongoing tease of a presidential run didn't exactly pull in the crowds during a campaign-esque event in the Granite State. Only 20 people showed up Sunday. Oh, that's funny. To hear the leader of America's largest city hold a roundtable on mental health, including the 14 people on the panel and just six in the Oh, man. There were also about six reporters on hand to make the room at the Sugar River Valley Regional Technical Center look a little less empty. De Blasio continued to refuse to commit to a White House run, pulled a well-worn page from his mayoral campaign playbook, and put First Lady Shirlane McRae center stage on what was his second day touring the crucial primary battleground state. The day began with De Blasio... And McRae touting her under-scrutiny $1 billion mental health initiative, Thrive NYC, which I just talked about, to a roundtable of local officials in the town of Claremont, even as Big Apple lawmakers demand answers about its spending and effectiveness back home. Said de Blasio, quote, She's my partner in everything I do, and that is a phrase we say every opening and have said for years. They feel her humanity and they feel her compassion. My God. He added... Quote, what Sherlane says and does is very, very powerful. Yeah, because she's stealing our money and putting it in her pocket, and for some reason, nobody knows where the hell it went. Getting back, it was a return to form for his honor, who put McCrae front and center in his in his victor, victorious, excuse me, but initially long shot campaign to become New York's 105th mayor. It's a huge crisis, McCrae told a small number of panelists. The mayor's small crowd was similar to what some lower-tier candidates who have actually announced have gotten in the early primary states. such as New York State Senator Kirsten Gillibrand, who I mentioned before. By comparison, however, Senator Elizabeth Warren, who has been in fourth place among Democrats in New Hampshire primary polls, got 300 people to show up to a recent event. Jesus. So if Elizabeth Warren, one 1,024th Native American, is showing up and really outperforming this guy and Kirsten Gillibrand, they're not going to even get past the primaries. They may not even make it to the primaries. I don't even think de is going. He's, he's trying to rile things up. But again, six people in the audience with 14 panelists. I mean, that's pathetic. I mean, I can probably, we, we Empire State Server Network, if we went through a random spot in New York, we got about 11,000 people on our Facebook group right now. Just type in Empire State Servers in the search bar if you're not already a member and like the page. You'll stay up to date on everything we've got going on. But I can guarantee you, with just 11,000 followers. If we went to any part of this state. we went up to Buffalo. If we went to Schenectady. If we did something right here on Long Island. I guarantee you. We can get more than six people to show up. Hell, we can. Let's say that there was a real 20 people. And it wasn't 14 panelists. We could probably get more than 20 people to show up. We could. We give them a good offer. They will come. Why? Because obviously. We're transparent about who we are. And you know who we are. And we're on a mission. And a lot of you listening or watching support that mission. And if we can outperform that, which I guarantee you we can. That's pathetic. Anyway, getting back, the city council will hold hearings next week on the efficacy of McRae's Thrive NYC as new figures from the NYPD show the initiative received 23% more reports of people in mental distress in 2018 than in 2015 when it launched. Oh my God. The second public stop for New York's first couple in Claremont took a page from the political playbook showcasing McRae's biography. His Honor and McRae headed to a modest yellow house that her family called home for a century after immigrating from Barbados, and where for decades, she said, they were the only black family who lived full-time in the tiny New England town. (laughs) Wow. Her family came here. I'm sure they came here legally. That's cool. Her, not so much. Getting back, said McRae. We came up here many summers. We'd have family gatherings where we'd come up and visit them. And that was her describing her memories of the place where her mother, Catherine, was born, raised, and would return to the summer with a young Shirlane. Quote, my grandmother would make yellow cake. What a great job. What a great job. So, Bill de Blasio continuing to embarrass New Yorkers, New York City residents, more specifically Everywhere, and the fact that he thinks he has any shot just shows the level of narcissism. First of total mayoral control. Meatless Mondays. Full, total mayoral control of the education system. Yeah, this is all him. That's all narcissism. And that's what socialism... Think about anybody who's been a socialist dictator. Because that's essentially what he is, and what he wants to become on a grander scale. If he were to run and somehow get elected president, which he's obviously not going to. He's a total narcissist. And so is his wife. So it's natural that they both met each other, and it's it's almost like a house of cards situation, except maybe they actually love each other. I don't know about that, nor do I care. The fact is, as you can see, they are corrupt as you can get. And they're walking on water right now, and it's a good thing that he's terming out. But who's going to take his place? We need, if you're a city resident, or if you even work in the city, we need to get the word out for good, quality, mayoral candidates— to take his place when the time comes because the city is being run into the ground. It's on the verge of bankruptcy. We also talked about this last week. It's on the verge of bankruptcy, all right? One bad recession, one economic hit of any variety, and the city is going down the crapper. So we need to do something about that, and complacency is no longer satisfactory. We have to get out there. We have to vote. You can become an electoral district leader as Vicky Paldino. Again, if you haven't listened or watched it, please go back to our last episode. It's episode 60 and watch what she explains towards the end, because that is very important. This is a state Senate candidate who did a very good job facing a very corrupt GOP, city GOP, and still nearly beat out somebody in John Liu, who is a leftist.
0: This next segment is brought to you by Items for All Occasions. Items for All Occasions specializes in helping you sync up with what you need for your event's promotional needs. Whether it's announcements, cards, giveaways, invitations, tchotchkes, or video books, they have you covered. Learn more about Items for All Occasions at www.itemsforalloccasions.com.
1: Anyway, let's get back. Reuters admits, they set on a bombshell, Beto O'Rourke story for two years is by Ryan Saavedra from The Daily Wire. Reuters reported late on Friday night that the reporter who broke the story about Democrat Beto O'Rourke belonging to a hacker group had the story for two years, and agreed to sit on it until after O'Rourke's Senate race against Senator Ted Cruz. The report, published early on Friday, documented O'Rourke's involvement in a hacker group named the Cult of the Dead Cow and included multiple past writings from O'Rourke, some of which were described as, quote, disturbing. If you listen to it. They were. After more than a year of reporting, men persuaded O'Rourke to talk on the record, Reuters reported. In an interview in late 2017, O'Rourke acknowledged that he was a member of the group on the understanding that the information would not be made public until after his Senate race against Ted Cruz in November 2018. Men says that he learned about O'Rourke's involvement in the group after he decided to write about the hacking group, which he called, quote, the most interesting and influential hacking group in history. While I was looking into the cult of the dead cow, I found that they had a member who was sitting in Congress. I didn't know which one, the author men said, and then I figured out which one it was, and the members of the group wouldn't talk to me about who it was. They wouldn't confirm that it was the person unless I promised that I wouldn't write about it until after the November election. Talk about corruption. Madden says that he approached O'Rourke for an interview about the book and told O'Rourke that the book was, quote, going to publish after November and your Senate race is over, and that O'Rourke agreed to give the interview. Some of O'Rourke's old writings were discovered in an online discussion forum that he started calling, quote, Taco Land. Jesus. One particular piece of writing from O'Rourke was especially troubling as he described mowing down children in a car. Reuters reports, another T-file from O'Rourke written when he was 15 is a short and disturbing piece of fiction. Quote, one day, as I was driving home from work, I noticed two children crossing the street. They were happy, happy to be free from their troubles. This happiness was mine by right. I had earned it in my dreams. As I neared the young ones, I put all my weight on my right foot, keeping the accelerator pedal on the floor until I heard the crashing of the two children on the hood and then the sharp cry of pain from one of the two. I was so fascinated for a moment that when after I had to stopped my vehicle, I just sat in a daze, sweet visions filling my head. Pretty sure that actually happened. Late on Friday, Yahoo! also reported on more of O'Rourke's old writings. Quote, Archive versions of writings attributed to O'Rourke's alias psychedelic warlord, include one that criticized some women as sluts, mocked them for having, quote, violent boyfriends, and suggested a way to deal with these women was to call them, quote, completely ugly, or inform, quote, Nazi skins in your area that they had AIDS. Ladies and gentlemen, this is one of the front-running Democratic presidential nominees. And before you say he's not, he outraised Bernie in the first 24 hours. You heard that right. Bernie raised $5.9 million the first 24 hours after he announced his candidacy. O'Rourke raised $6.1 million, setting a new record. What does that mean? That means that this guy has the full backing of the left-wing Democratic Party. This guy, as you can see, was beloved by the media. And they're trying to come out. And, And Reuters... You know, was, they held on to this, right? There was an, there was one of their writers was writing a book, and that's fine. You're writing a book. Obviously, some sources didn't want to talk unless you kept certain things confidential until after an election. But that's that's kind of messed up because I feel like if someone's a part of this hacker group, I feel like as as a Senate candidate, especially in the state of Texas, against a high-profile senator like Ted Cruz. I feel like it's almost your journalistic obligation to maybe report that or to pass it along to somebody. Maybe. Even if you have an inkling. Even if they won't talk to you. Even if you won't drop it and he won't give you the live interview. I feel like that's your responsibility as a journalist, as a reporter, to mention that. These writings. I mean, you just heard that passage. That's disturbing. That sounds like what a sociopath who likes to kill kids would say. That sounds like someone Ted Bundy would say. Like, that's messed up. And this was written by a teenage will Rourke. Now, a lot of people will say, well, you know, look at a lot of these instances. Uh, and, you know, should someone, something that someone wrote or said or did from way back in the day really hinder them going forward? Probably not. With that said, it's worth looking into. It's worth exploring. It's worth discussing. And he needs to be confronted about it. You know, the hacking stuff, I don't really care Like, that's whatever, unless they really did hack into some high-profile things. If they, like, traded state secrets or national secrets, I feel like we have a right to know, especially the Democrats who will be voting for him, I feel like they have a right to know that this guy's a traitor. I mean, some of them won't care, but that's a very loud, vocal minority, the socialists on the Democratic left. A lot of Democrats aren't like that. There was a study that came out last year, 70, percent of Americans, when Talking, when talking about issues in a nonpartisan way, came to an understanding. They agree on most issues. You just can't have a D or an R in front of the Democrats say this, the Republicans say that, and then they just tow the party line. If they're to think for themselves, they tend to agree 70% of the time. And that's how most Americans are. It's not as divided as it sounds. But the people in Congress are really trying to push us in that direction. These presidential candidates are pandering to that base because they know those are the people who are going to volunteer for them, who are going to donate to them, who are going to vote for them. In the primaries and leading up to the presidential nomination, those are the people who are going to get out and vote because a lot of people nationwide do not vote. They do not vote. We may have big turnout this time around, too, because obviously conservatives want to keep Trump in office, and the Democrats really want to get him out. they tried this Russian collusion garbage for years, hasn't gone anywhere they're trying to tarnish his character not much to tarnish everything was already out in the open there so i mean this is and it's kind of pathetic that now they're throwing this out there because a it shows how corrupt they are they may have dirt on people they may have dirt that we don't even know about on candidates we don't even know about but they're not going to release it because it's not politically convenient for them because they were running a senate race and now they're running a presidential race And if they're a front runner, or they can be, or they they check off enough intersectional checkboxes like a Cory Booker, like a Kamala Harris, then they're really going to try and keep this stuff under wraps. You're not going to hear too much negativity about them from left-wing sources. That's going to have to be dug out from the trenches by conservative media. And then a lot of conservative media, whether it's Fox News, whether it's Blaze TV, Daily Wire, something like that, Breitbart, it's going to be denounced because... It's not mainstream enough, and they're they're looked at by spot well not spot track the uh, the uh, the fact checking thing I forget the name of it um, that they're they tend to extend the truth in some cases they do just like you know the left gets it wrong a lot of the time and they put their political bias in there a lot of the time but the vast majority of the time conservatives like facts we like facts. We want to know the facts of the story, then we want to discuss and critically think about something before we come to a foregone conclusion. A lot about O'Rourke's past in terms of his character, in terms of what he wrote, in terms of, you know, kind of being a trust fund baby, in terms of him doing a DUI and running away from the scene. Was he a kid? I mean, he was in his 20s. He wasn't a kid when that happened, and that's a pretty telling sign of character, You know, regardless of the ramifications, if you hit somebody with your car and you're drunk, yeah, obviously, it's fight or flight. You usually want to stay there, you want to fight, and you want to help the person that you injured because of your negligence. But clearly, his character is not of that. His character was, I need to get away with it. I need to run away with it. And he did. And he got out on bail after he was caught because his parents, again, had money. And I believe he's worth about $9 million right now because his wife is very wealthy as well. Her family is very wealthy as well. So, so, and it's coming out now. And the reason that it's coming out, and I'll finish on this, is because he does not fill the intersectional check boxes. They wanted him to win in November because he was a Democrat and Cruz was a Republican. It's that plain and simple. He is charismatic. He does connect to some people that Cruz and a lot of Republicans, and Donald Trump especially, will not connect to. But if you think about it, he has no substance. Again, his character is very questionable. And now that they have intersectional candidates and popular candidates running for president, Bernie Sanders he's not intersectional, but he really pushes the narrative that they want in terms of socialist policies, in terms of Kamala Harris, in terms of Cory Booker, They don't need Beto O'Rourke. They don't want Beto O'Rourke because they don't want him to win. They want somebody further to the left. So now they're throwing all his dirty laundry at him and dirty laundry that they had possession of that they refused to throw out there because it wasn't expedient for a book and because it wasn't expedient for his race, which he narrowly lost in Texas. So it just goes to show you the corruption of the mainstream media. And that, my friends, is why, again, Evan, Justin, and myself started... Empire State Conservative Network. We are on a mission. We are trying to rile up the conservative base all around New York State. We've had a few episodes talking about different proposals to split the state. I hate to break it to you. If you want that, if you genuinely want that, which I understand if you live in Central and Upstate New York and Western New York, you really, really do. And I understand that. But that said, it's never going to happen with a blue legislature and with a blue governorship. We need to elect these people out to put conservatives in who will at least entertain a piece of legislation like that. So we can bitch and moan and complain about that all day long, but it's never going to happen as things stand right now. That's why we have to get out there. We have to vote. We will bring you candidates. We already brought you one. We're going or two actually. We're going to bring you more as we come across them tomorrow. We're going to be talking with Steve Filano, who has a podcast. That is trying to protect the Second Amendment in New York State, he's, and I'm really looking forward to having him on because with the SAFE Act Two and the red flag gun laws passing just this year alone, we've got a very big uphill battle in that respect, and he's doing that. He's dedicating a lot of his time and resources to that, just like we are to you in this respect. So we're on a mission. We're going to bring these people to you. We're going to bring you different perspectives. And we're going to g- bring you candidates that matter. Not empty-spineless rhinos and neocons who talk the talk. But when it comes time to walk the walk, they just sit back and let things like the safe act happen. So we want to bring you those candidates. We're going to tell you how to get politically involved. And we're going to start our own chapters of Empire State Conservatives around the state, in your county, in your district. It's going to happen. We are working on it. But we need your help. So the first thing you can do... If you like this episode, if you want to help support our mission, please please share this with a fellow Empire Second Conservative who does not know about us. Share this episode, share our YouTube channel, share our Facebook group, share our website, EmpireSecondServeNetwork.com, and share our ideas with them. That's really going to help. Secondarily, if you can afford just $5 a month, times 12 comes out to $60 for the year. You get this Don't Let Fear Take Your Freedom wristband. You also get access to our mailbag. Every Friday, Evan and I do a show. If we're just by ourselves, we'll ask our donors, what would you like us to talk about? And they'll send us feedback, and we will cover those topics, whether we plan to or not, because you're helping us, and we're going to help you by talking about the things you want us to talk about. We're working on a platform, too, where we're going to propose stories at the local, state, and federal level. You can upvote and downvote them only as a donor, so you get exclusive access to us every day of the week, Monday through Friday, and about what topics we discuss going forward. Lastly, if you can afford $50 for the year at a one-time $50 donation, not only do you get all those perks, the wristband, the mailbag access, the upvote, downvote thing, but also you're going to get the Empire State Conservative network code. You can have a logo on the front, name a number on the back, size is small to 5XL, so no matter how big or small you are, they're always a the size for you, but it's just our way of saying thanks, and, it's a, and again, we're not trying to turn a profit. We're spending a lot of money to reach you. We more than likely paid a lot of money to reach you to get you to listen or watch this podcast and to follow us. And anything you can spare, whether it's $5 a month, $50 for the year, or a one-time donation of any amount, please go to Empirestickandservenetwork.com forward slash donate, and you'll be able to help us recoup our costs. But guys, thanks so much for watching or listening. This is Pete Ever and I are coming back at you tomorrow with Steve Falano. Have a great rest of the day, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow.
0: Hey everyone, it's Evan from Empire State Conservative Network. Please check us out on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Also, check us out on Facebook at Empire State Conservatives, on YouTube at Empire State Conservative Network, on Instagram at Get Red Pilled NY, and on Twitter at Empire State Cons. Also, check out our store at EmpireStateConservativeNetwork.com for all current and future merchandise to help melt the snowflakes in your life. And as always, don't let fear take your freedom.